Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life. Welcome back to Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Nathan Owens, your host for this episode. And in this episode, you're going to hear a voice that if you listen to the Lighthouse much at all, you're going to be familiar with. It's that of Pastor Dr. David Murphy, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church here in Antigua. In this episode, we're going to be listening to a brief challenge that Pastor Murphy recently gave in relation to COVID-19, our Bibles, and some words of encouragement to keep in mind. The events of the past few weeks has hit the world so suddenly that very few people were prepared for this global pandemic. It's incredible how easily our world can be shaken and spiral into the panic mode of an unsettled anxiety. One moment, there's the boast of economic recovery, but within a brief period of time, it is the haunting specter of an economic depression. As a tiny microbe has brought the world to a grinding halt, creating the horrors of a general world recession. The possibility to collapse of the world's economic order is not reckless fear-mongering, is a contingent reality that should be pondered thoughtfully by every informed person. The power keg at the heart of the world's economic order is the U.S. economy, with its burgeoning debt, which is uh, soon expected to reach 100% of GDP. The U.S. economy is under the threatening seismic fiscal pressure that not even a Daniel could avert it, eventually is going to explode and detonate. As prophesied, a world new order is determined and it's inevitable. You find that in Revelations chapter 13 and 17. This may very well be the genesis of what our Lord referred to as the beginning of sorrows in Matthew chapter 24 verse 8, which he also described in these words, for nation shall rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And in addition to those words, he adds, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must needs come to pass, but the end is not yet. Matthew 24, verse six. Luke, dealing essentially with the same prophetic theme, includes the following words. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And upon earth, distressed of nations with perplexity. The sea, the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, our Lord says, then look up and lift up your heads, 
for your redemption draweth nigh, Luke chapter 21, verse 25 to 28. The unpleasant, disturbing reality that man refuses to come to terms with is that we are living in a doomed planet whose end is catastrophic. And the sobering warning of scripture is simple. Flee the wrath to come. This was the message of John the Baptist. It was the message of Jesus Christ. It's the message of the true church. And it's the message that is still needed today. The apostate church of health, wealth, and prosperity has lulled the world into a state of opiumic uh, complacency and indifference. With this hedonistic message of self-indulgence and financial affluence and success. But the naked truth is that a godless world without its heavenly priority is ill-prepared for any prolonged period of privation, suffering, or discomfort. Our life of ease and comfort and convenience has conditioned us to view any kind of disruption or discomfort as the envious work of an infernal antagonist. It seldom occurs to us that, in fact, such unpleasant interventions might be the calculated work of an offended God who has grown weary of our shallow, superficial spirituality and seeks to rouse us out of our state of anesthetic slumber. I believe it was C.S. Lewis, that giant of a Christian apologist, with the wit and the gift of words, who wrote these words, that God speaks to us, whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he screams at us in our pain. It's the pain that gets our attention, and it is his unpleasant shout that awakens us from our slumber. So what is he screaming at as we face this uh, discomfort and this inconvenience and this time of uncertainty and anxiety as we deal with this pandemic that has virtually crippled the world where our businesses are closed, our schools are shut, restaurants are locked, sporting events are canceled, large assemblies are forbidden, governments are paralyzed, and even the entertainment industry is now reeling. We are living at a level of anxiety unprecedented in my generation. People are worried about what, what will happen to their health and the health of their loved ones. They're worried about losing their jobs and about uh, losing their income. They feel trapped by the events that they can't control. The crisis of insecurity stalks the land like an unstoppable Goliath. But in the dinner noise of this confused state of our times, God shouts his message to his people, which is they need to hear and they need to heal and they need to be calm in the midst of this anxiety. I believe he says four things to us, his people, as we face this unprecedented crisis in our modern time. The first word I believe he says to us is that we must avoid panic as believers. Matthew chapter 24, verse 6 to 7, he says, See that ye be not troubled. In other words, be calm. Don't panic. There are 13 different Greek words for the word trouble in the New Testament. If you check Vine's uh, New Testament words, uh, you'll find that those 13 words are listed. The one that Matthew chooses is the word throw, and it means an outcry. It means a tumult. Uh, to be so terrified as to cry out in confusion with a tumultuous utterance. No, this is the time for a controlled speech. 
that comes from a calm, controlled heart. Christians ought to be the calmest people on planet Earth because they know the Lord of the universe who holds the future in his hands. And I can assure you that there's no panic in heaven over this pandemic. God is still sitting on his throne. Heaven is not convulsing in chaotic dismay even as I speak. God sits serenely in the confidence of his sovereignty, directing the world's affairs in the interest of his kingdom and the redemption of the penitent sinner. And it is prophetic uh, that his word should guide us, that we must not be troubled, we must not panic, we must remain calm. Uh, Psalms 46 utters similar sentiments, but in the imagery of poetic flair. Uh, David says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will I not fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be, and, and be troubled through the mountains, uh, though the mountains shake, uh, and though they, they would swell. David said in verse number 10 of the same chapter, Be still and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Our Lord confronted the disciples in the moment of their greatest crisis in John's gospel. And he said to those disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is not the calmness that issues from self-confidence. It is the one that is rooted and grounded in confident trust in God. Let us as believers during this period of crisis uh, ensure that we avoid the panic mode and we remain calm and cool and collected and confident in our God. It reminds me of the story of John Wesley and the Moravians. And when he was um, coming back from America, having gone to do missionary work to the Indians, uh, on his way back, the boat was confronted with a storm that was threatening the very life of everyone on board. John Wesley himself was in panic mode, but on that very ship was a group of Moravians who were calmly praying and trusting and singing. John Wesley was appalled that in the midst of such fear, there was such calm. It left an indelible imprint on John Wesley's mind. And when he got ashore, he never got away from wrestling with the fact of how believers could be so calm and yet he'd be so terrified. It was a time that awoke in his soul his need that his confession and his belief was not real and it was part of the transforming moment in John Wesley's life when he turned to God and became a true genuine believer. But it was the calmness, the coolness, the, the composure of uh, a people in the midst of a storm that was influential in awakening John Wesley's soul, his sense of insecurity. Let us as believers listen to God's voice. Be not troubled when these things begin to come to pass. There's a second thing I believe that God says to us in the midst of this crisis is that we must live not only to avoid panic, but we must live as though we anticipate the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. This is the point that Luke makes in his contribution to the end time prophecies that we find in the Gospel of Luke, which is the third synoptic gospel. 
uh, Luke writes with, with confidence and with the gift of a historian. And he says, these things shall be. And then he begins to adumbrate a whole list of events that must come to pass. In other words, there are no if, buts, or maybe with Luke. There is certainty, and he establishes the fact that these things are guaranteed to be fulfilled because they're based on the prophetic word. In other words, they're unavoidable, and the believer must live anticipating that these things are going to come to pass. And as if to explain our Lord's caution to his people about calmness and not panicking, as Matthew tells us, Luke gives us the other side of the equation. In his own words, he writes, men's heart shall fail them for fear. In other words, men will be in a state of panic and there will be times of uh, sudden heart attacks when these things begin to happen. The world will panic when there will be a sudden uh, events coming and the myopic vision of not knowing the future um, and not having and, have, and seeing the security crumble. They are going to be in a state where they are going to panic. But you, we believers, because we anticipate such things, should be able to avoid this panic and not live as those who have no heavenly hope. Life here must be consciously lived by believers, anticipating that the prophetic word is going to come to pass as God has prophesied. God has shown us the future in his word. The end time prophecies warn that man's worst days are yet to come. The rosy picture politicians paint uh, with words of vapid optimism has a ring of hollowness when measured by the sober words of scripture that warns of dire things to come. There's no human savior that can save planet earth. A pretentious one is coming that will capture the attention of the world for a brief period of seven years. But his purported reign of peace and prosperity will end in ultimate ruin of the planet. We as Christians should anticipate these prophetic events. If we are going to avert the panic that will mark the end times, our ship must be remain, must remain calm and we must remain calm in the midst of the storm. We must steal our souls in the strength of the prophetic word that God has revealed to us. We must live with the anticipation that what God has said will come to pass, will come to pass, and we must not have our heads in the sand or have our heads in the clouds where we are following an optimism that is not realistic. We are warned that we are headed towards a final catastrophe. Believers have been given this knowledge and it's supposed to sustain them so that we don't go into panic mode like the world. Be not troubled by these things and he warns that uh, men's heart will fail them. But as believers, as we see these things come to pass, we ought to be able, in anticipation of these prophetic truths coming to pass, we ought to remain calm. Then the third thing I believe that God says to us during this time of crisis, and it is that we must anchor our souls in the person of Jesus Christ. I have no doubt that this is the special truth that God screams to us as we grasp at the future that is clouded with uncertainty. When the disciples' world was rocked to its very foundations, when they learned that Christ would be betrayed and rejected and suffered and be with them no more, 
they were in a panic mode when faced with the specter of his crucifixion. The storm of Calvary would blast their cozy world into something, leaving it in its wake a broken remnant of their cherished dreams of a, a so-called kingdom rule. Now they would face the loss of a friend, the death of a mentor, the demise of a dream, the demolition of hope. And as their world would crumble and they become engulfed in a sea of doubt and uncertainty, Christ admonishes them to anchor their souls in him. He said to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And were they not, and were these words not coming from the, uh, the uh, person who was the eternal son of God, it would be gross impertinence for him to ask them to repose the same trust in him as they had in God the Father. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. These are the words of God himself, the Son of God. And he's asking them to anchor your souls in me. I am your safety, I am your security. Do not be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, put your hope and trust in me. Christ in the scripture is the hope of the world and he's a hope of the believer. The writer of Hebrews chapter six, verse 19 to 20, says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And then he says, even Jesus. As we face this global storm with others to come, it seems to me to be the essence of wisdom to take hold of the anchor of Christ, trust in him, because there's no other anchor that is safe and secure. I wonder, do you know him? Have you trusted him? You know, there's a song that we sing often in our church that enca encapsulate this concept that Christ is our anchor and it asks some very uh, pertinent questions that we need to ask at this moment. It, will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? And then we have the chorus, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Friend, do you have Christ? Do you have an anchor? In this moment of crisis, we not only need to avoid panic, we not only need to live anticipating Bible prophecy, but we need to learn that we need to anchor our soul in the person of Jesus Christ because he is our only security and our only hope. And then there's one other word I believe that God says to us as we face this global pandemic and this crisis. And the fourth thing I believe he says to us is that we need to look for opportunities for service. In every crisis, there are opportunities and there are service opportunities. We must keep our eyes open to meet the needs that are going to arrive during this time of crisis. There will be plenty of opportunities to minister in days ahead. And while we must take the necessary precautions uh, as advised by the doctors and the medical profession, like washing our hands, using masks, observing social distancing, and employing generous amounts of san uh, hand sanitizer, we nonetheless should have missionary eyes to see the needs that are there and will be there in the weeks to come. That mendicant that meet, you meet at the supermarket who is begging, 
you refused to help him before because you felt he should have found a job. But he is now in a much more dire situation than it was previously. And I hope you can see with your missionary eyes the need to help him and offer some kind of reprieve. That elderly person who calls you to perform some tasks because they become immobile. You've got a car, they don't have any. They need a bottle of gas, they need them groceries bought. It might be an opportunity for you to stand up as a Christian and be of some kind of help. In other words, there are avenues for service. That brother and sister who have lost their job or will lose their job would need some temporary help. And maybe your small sacrifice of an anonymous gift uh, would mean so much in this time of crisis. And above all, let us look out for opportunities to share Christ with those whose lives had been shattered, radically shattered and shaken by the insecurity of our existence. For the first time, perhaps in their lifetime, they recognize that everything they depend upon can disappear in a brief moment. And this in itself unsettles the soul and creates the situation where they're searching for answers and the believer finds himself in a position where he can be of some help uh, to that person. So I'm saying to you as a pastor, as a brother in Christ, that a crisis, uh, and God speaks to us in a crisis. And I believe that these are the things that he's saying to us uh, today. Uh, avoid panic as a believer. Anticipate the prophetic word being fulfilled and let us live by the book and understanding of what the book says so that when these things begin to happen, uh, he says, uh, do not be troubled. Let us anchor our soul in the person of Jesus Christ because there's no security outside of him. But then also let us understand that this crisis creates an avenue, avenues of service. Let us have the eyes to see the need and let us have the heart uh, that is compassionate to respond to that need. I hope that you take these words, these rather brief words uh, to heart and I hope they will sober you in these moments at your face and this crisis. Father, bless your word. Answer the cry of the anxious heart who seeks for answers. Thank you for the counsel of your word. May your spirit calm our spirit. May your word inform our minds. May your son be the anchor of our soul. And may this be a moment when we see your hand and see your power. May we depend upon you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations? We would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or Lighthouse, B-I-M-I, at gmail.com. Or give us a call at area code 268-462-1454. Or send us a message via WhatsApp or text at area code 268 782 
Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear Lighthouse Conversations Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.